grab a seat, hug someone's neck on your way down. Y'all feeling good? Four of you. you look good. Hey, can we take a second to welcome all of our Denver-based locations across the pond in Brussels, Austin, Texas, online, all the men and women at our God Behind Bars. Let's give it up for them. Go crazy. Come on. Love y'all. Got to spend some time with you guys a couple weeks ago. Amazing. Uh, my name is Andrew Matrone. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. Uh, for about nine years, I was a youth pastor. And yeah, and for the past uh, six or seven months, I've been with the young adults now. So I absolutely, yeah. Come on. Come on. Uh, man, I, I love this church. I, I love what I get to do. Uh, and I feel so honored to be sharing the word of God with you guys today. And what we're going to be talking about today is something that I believe is very close to the heart of God. And something that's close to the heart of God is something that we should lean into um, because it's important to us. It should be. Uh, and so I'm going to be reading out of Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. If you have your Bibles, you can go there. If not, it'll be on the screens. But a quick little background before this, this passage happened that I'm going to read about. Weeks before this, Jesus had just gone to the cross, was crucified. And then three days later, he rose from the dead. Amen. Come on. He rose from the dead and he ascended into heaven and he left with us the Holy Spirit. Uh, and then you fast forward into Acts, uh, the Holy Spirit comes upon all these disciples. And at this point, there was probably only about 120 followers of the way, followers of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit comes on them in such a profound way that all these people, crowds begin to gather. And so the apostle Peter stands up and he gives the first ever sermon first ever sermon, and it says that 3,000 people were added to their number that day. So all of a sudden, now it was 120 followers of the way, and now it's 3,120 followers of the way. So they came into this relationship with God, but then immediately after that, this ensued, and what we're going to be talking about tonight, today, excuse me, uh, the fellowship of the believers in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Uh, if, if you want to follow in your Bibles, here we go. You ready? If you're ready, say, I'm ready. ready. Come on. We're going to have a good day today. All right? It's going to be good. You can have fun. You can talk back to me. You, you can shout. You can have some good. We're, church is not meant to be endured, enjoyed. Okay? Acts 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Two questions that I want to ask this weekend is, what kind of community has God called us to, and are we currently living up to that? What kind of community has God called me and you to, and are we currently living up to that? Let me pray for us. Lord, I thank you so much for all that you're doing. God, I believe that you brought everyone here on purpose for a purpose, Lord God, that you might have designed someone's entire week, entire life to get them to this moment because you want to speak to them. 
Lord, you designed us uniquely, so you're going to speak to us uniquely. Lord, so I pray that we would open our hearts and be ready to receive whatever it is that you have to give us. And everybody said in faith, amen, amen. All right, so I remember when I was a freshman in college, I was 18. Anybody in college in the house today? Anybody? Yes, come on. Four of us getting our further education. Come on. So I was 18. I was a freshman. And, you know, you get to campus as a freshman and you're, you're like scouting out. You're, you're trying to find your future wife. Right. And so I, I, I remember I, I get on campus and and there's this particular girl who catches my eye and I decide that I got to talk with her. I have to figure this out. But about three months goes by and I said a word to her. OK, right. Just like every other guy. And so I finally muster up the courage to ask this girl out. And I go up to her, and I have no plan, uh, of course. And I go up to her, and I say, hey, I would love to take you out on a date on Friday night. And she was like, okay. And I'm like, what? Oh. Uh, um, she's like, what are we going to do? And I'm like, oh, snap. I haven't really thought about it. Uh, I said, uh, I don't know why I said this, but I said, we're going to go ice skating. And she was like, that sounds awesome. She was like, actually, I've been a competitive ice skater my entire life. <laughs> So the thing is, is that I was in a predicament because, um, take, take a look at me. I was not meant for ice skating. Okay. I was meant to run in a straight line and hit people. Okay. I I was not meant for, for ice skating, but nonetheless, she was excited. So we decided to, to go ice skating. So I pick her up on Friday night and we get to the ice skating rink and the place is absolutely packed. Okay. I'm from Springfield, Missouri. Not a lot to do there. So this place is packed. So we're in there and we go to the place where you go get your skates. And I I go, I'm like, hey, I'm like, I'll I'll get your skates. And she pulls out of her bag. She has these beautiful white pearly skates. She's like, I got my own, right? (laughs) I'm like, okay, well, I'm about to wear my big brown clunky ones here. So I I, I get the, I rent some and and we're sitting there and and she, we're putting on our, our skates and she puts hers on and she's just walking like all normal like totally normal. And I put mine on. I'm like, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Come on, don't act like you haven't been there before. It's the worst. We look like complete idiots. And that was me. So I'm looking like an idiot. She's already embarrassed. She's already regretting this decision. And we decide to go onto the ice and she jumps out. She's like, just like skating all over. And I'm like, Hey, I'm going to hang close to the wall. Why don't you come skate with me over the wall? It's a little quiet over here. We can have some, some more intimate connection over here. All right, why don't we skate along the wall so we're not, we're not, you know, running into people. She's like, okay. And so I'm just like, you know, hanging. And, and, and eventually she's like, I came to skate. So she, she's like, I'm going to go skate. So she leaves me. <laughs> she, she starts gallivanting all around. And I'm sitting here just like, hey, great day. Having fun. Are you having fun over there? Enjoy your time. So she finally comes over to me and she's like, hey, let's, let's go skate. Come on, hold my hand. Let's go skate. I'm like, all right, come on. I can, I can do this. I can put my big boy pants on or I can be a man here. So I say, okay. And, and I step out and I'm going about five feet. And you, you, you know, when you, you know, the feeling when you start, you start slipping and I felt myself going and I'm thinking to myself, this date is going down. So if I'm going down, she's going down with me. So I'm falling, and the only thing that I could grab was the back of her hood, and I pulled her right on down with me. (laughs) 
we, 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 uh, we, we, never, we never went out again. Uh, 12 years later, and I still haven't stepped on the ice. R- real talk. But I, I will, I'll never forget, I, I, my, my big broken body was just laying on the ice. And I was like, I've never been surrounded by so many people and feel so alone and so isolated. You know where I'm going. You ever felt that way before? Like, you're, you're, you're surrounded by people with, with your family, coworkers, friends in a room like this. Surrounded by people, but you feel completely isolated. I'm sure you felt that. I'm sure there's probably plenty of people feeling that in this room right now. And I don't know if, if you find yourself in that place, but, but the reality is, is that I think a lot of people feel that. See, a lot of research has been shown over the past few years that right now where we stand, we're the most connected people to ever walk on the planet. Most connected because of our phones and social media, we are absolutely connected, right? But the kicker is we're the most connected people, but the reality is we're the most lonely people. That we know more people than we've ever known, but we've never been less known. You see, we, we live in this fast-paced culture that screams, be autonomous, be an individual, Be independent. Have relationships, but only for your financial or vocational gain. Don't let people get too close because they might just slow you down, right? We we live in, in a culture that breeds isolation, but the dangerous part is that isolation fuels loneliness. Isolation fuels loneliness. Research done by the insurance provider Cigna did this nationwide study of thousands of Americans And they saw that 54% of Americans would say, I feel alone or left out. Now, those numbers only rise in Western Europe and in the UK. I just read this new article this week from the New York Times that the UK literally hired a, a, a new cabinet position. You know what that was? It's a cabinet position for the Minister of Loneliness. That they, they, they literally have created a cabinet position to fight the epidemic of loneliness, depression, and of suicide. It's an epidemic in our world. And loneliness affects physical, mental, spiritual well-being. Psychology Today says that uh, loneliness causes health problems. It weakens immune systems. It, It damages sleep cycles. It really throws every part of us off. No wonder we're the most anxious, depressed, doctor prescribed self-medicated people to ever walk this planet we we don't really have that great of connection we're connected but not really we're very disconnected see our world today offers a false sense of connectivity therefore a false sense of intimacy i know but i'm not known can i just tell you that this is not god's plan for your life like if, if, if you find yourself in this place, that is a complete misrepresentation of God's design for you. See, God created us with this deep desire to be needed and to be known. This innate divine desire to be needed and to be known. Look, I don't care who you are. I don't care your background. I don't care your story. I don't care how successful you are. I don't care the amount in your banking or che- checking savings account. I don't care how strong, independent, how macho you think that you are. We all desire to be needed and to be known. You know why? Because God created you this way. 
God created you this way, and here's how we know. God created us in, our, in, in his image, and God is a relational God. So God created you to be relational. God created you to, to desire intimacy. God created you to desire connectivity. In Genesis 2.18, whenever uh, Adam, God had formed Adam, and Adam was wandering around in the garden alone. God looked at him and said, it is not good for man to what? Be alone. So I will make him a companion. It's not good for man to not be known. It's not good for man just to hustle through this life, looking out for number one, with no deep or meaningful relationships in their life. We need people. Amen. Proverbs 27, 17 says, for as iron sharpens iron, so another person sharpens another. That one piece of iron needs another piece of iron to sharpen, to strengthen, to build. And in the same light, we as human beings need other humans to strengthen, to encourage, to build, to ignite. We need people in our life more than just to watch a game and have a beer with. We, we, we need people in our life more than just to talk shop with. That we need people in our lives to share our lives with. We need people in our lives to confess to. That's where healing comes from. Come on. We need it. We need people in our lives to share struggles and successes with. We need people in our lives to sit with us in defeat and stand with us in victory. We need people who can push us, challenge us, build us, call us into something, call us out of something, call us from something, call us to something. We need it. It's important. And look, I'm, I'm not here to convince you that, that you need people around you. I think that most of us understand that and most of us know that. What I'm here to convince you of is that there's a way that God calls us to relationships that will be so life-giving and so fulfilling. And if we're not engaging in the relationships that God has called us to, we will completely miss out on this, this level of being known and connected to the people around us. Hear me. When you come into a relationship with Jesus, two things happen. You're saved from something. You're saved from, from death. You're saved from sin. But then you're saved into something. And what you're saved into is not only a relationship with Jesus Christ, but a brotherhood and a sisterhood of like-minded believers pursuing the same thing. Hey, if you're going to commit, commit. You know. Yeah, come on! Sorry, I'm an idiot. Uh, but I believe that God has a plan for how this should take place. I believe he has a plan for it. And, and I think that that plan is, is depicted, not, not perfectly. We won't experience perfect connection until the other side of eternity. But I think it's, it's pretty close. In, in Acts chapter 2, these, these believers, they get saved. And then they immediately go into pursuit of relationship with one another. So I, I want to I read through this passage over the next few minutes, and I want to pull out four things that I believe that God calls us to when it comes to relationships with others. And the four things are this, intentionality, commonality, hospitality, and practicality. Come on, I worked hard on that. Come on. I may look like a giant meathead, but I, I, I studied, I promise. Intentionality, commonality, hospitality, and practicality. First one is this. Relationship God's way is about, number one, intentionality. Acts 2.42 says, they what? 
devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They devoted, dedicated. Other versions say that they were fervent and zealous in their pursuit of fellowship, in their pursuit of breaking bread, in their pursuit of prayer. In fellowship, the root word of that is life together, family together. So they, they were zealous in their pursuit of family together. In other words, they pursued life together with what? Intentionality. Intentionality. And I think that this is a little bit easier said than done because can, can we all agree on something? That relationships are difficult. Amen? Come on. <laughs> you know why relationships are difficult? Because people are difficult. Relationships are difficult because people are difficult. Not your husband, right? <clears throat> Sorry, I didn't mean to stir the pot there. <laughs> Relationships are messy because people are messy. And because of that, I think that it's easier to keep relationships at a surface level. Right? Because of that. Look, because if I keep relationships at a surface level, then I don't risk getting hurt. I mean, a lot of us have experienced a lot of hurt. A lot of toxic relationships. So if I keep every relationship at a surface level, then I avoid having to get hurt. That's great. If I don't get hurt by another relationship in life, fine by me, right? If, if I keep relationships at a surface level, then I don't have to put in much effort. Let's be honest. It's like, man, I, I, I have a family. I have a job. NFL just started. I have fantasy football. I got a lot of stuff going on in my life right now. I don't have time for other people. I think we keep relationships at a surface level because then I don't have to deal with people. Like I, I, People are emotional and people are needy. And so if I keep people at a surface level, then I don't have to deal with all of their junk, right? Because like, the reality is, is half of you don't even like people in the first place, okay? But I think the older we get, the more relational shrapnel we experience. Right, like you get in your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, you've experienced a lot of relational shrapnel, so you have been conditioned in your heart and in your mind to just keep people at an arm's distance. This is a story for so many of us, but can I encourage you that this is not the story of God for you when it comes to connectivity? Because relationships, at least the way that God intended, the ones that give life and don't just take, the ones that pour in and don't just pour out, the ones that don't just drain, but the ones that add gains to your life, those kind of relationships do not deepen naturally. The, the, the relationships that are of gold are the ones that have to be dug out. The ones that take intentionality, the ones that take work and effort and persistence and endurance and time and energy, those are the kind of relationships that are the ones of gold. Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews in chapter 10 says this, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and a good works. He says, let us think of ways. Let's, let's try to be creative on how we can engage with each other. He says, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another. He's saying, look, a lot of people give up on meeting because relationships are messy. People are messy. Relationships are difficult. But do not neglect. Don't give up on meeting. Be persistent in your pursuit of relationship. You see, the reality is, though, God calls us to be intentional, but I think so many of us, it's, it's so overwhelming where we, we become so unintentional when it comes to our relationships. And I think a lot of us at, at some point believe this lie that fruitful, strong, 
life-giving relationships are just going to fall into our lap and they're going to sprout into like this beautiful community. And it just doesn't happen that way. Maybe sometimes God might put the perfect person in your life where you have to do nothing and it just is beautiful and perfect. Doubtful, but maybe. You see, the, the, the reality is, is that I, I think that we find ourselves in these places, and I think that even a lot of people, you, you come to church week in and week out, and be really honest, but, but you come to church week in and week out, and, and you just say, you know, I'm just not connecting with anybody. No one's really talking to me. No one's really engaging with me. I want good, healthy, strong Christian friends, but every time I come, no, no one talks to me. I do that awkward minute mingle where they make me shake hands with all these people, and I really hate doing that, but I do it because I have to. I don't want to be the mean person, right? But I, I, I really want to connect with people, but no one ever talks to me. Can I challenge you on that thinking? That I, I, I don't, don't allow yourself to be a victim of your circumstance, that yes, maybe you have walked through your entire life with people wanting nothing to do with you, but, but, but being in this kind of community, there are people who want something to do with you. But, but, but it, it, does, it doesn't just deepen naturally. That, that, that we have to devote ourselves to the pursuit of fellowship. If you want it, you have to go out and reach for it. You, you see, uh, join a life group. Like we, we have life group launch this weekend. Young adults have life group launch on Thursday night. Like there, there are plenty of, of opportunities to join a life group and put yourself out there. I, I did a life group once. I didn't really like it. I didn't really like the people. That's okay. Uh, there's 7 billion people on the planet. There's another life group. <laughs> find, find other people. Uh, jo join a serve team. Here at Red Rocks Church, there's so many people serving all over the place. Kids Rock, youth ministry, all over the place. People who are like-minded in pursuit of trying to be a front porch for prodigals to make heaven more crowded. Come to Recover on Friday nights. Recover is people who are recovering from anything. Hence, all of us. Our sports league has 3,000 people who are engaging together in sports. We have classes from, from grief care to divorce care to, to premarital stuff to how to parent your children. There are so many opportunities to take steps of faith and put yourself out there and be intentional in your pursuit of relationships. Can I just tell you that God wants this for you? God wants us for it. And if I've learned anything about God, is that when God creates us for something, he graces us for it. So if God created you for relationships, then God will grace you for relationships. But intentionality starts with you, not the person next to you. It starts with you. Relationship God's way is about what? Intentionality. I'm, I'm going to make you memorize these. Number two, relationships God's way is about commonality. Acts 2, 43 through 44, it says, Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together, intentional, okay, and had everything in what? Common. Okay. I believe that most relationships that we find ourselves in are, are the result of, of one of two things, based off of common struggles or based off of common interests. A lot of relationships we find ourselves in are, are, are first based off of common struggles. And here's how they form. My marriage is in a bad place. Your marriage is in a bad place. We got something in common. Let's hang out. Right? You, you have vocational issues. So do I. You have financial issues. Me too. You have mental health issues. Me as well. You have the same addiction 
and substance abuse issues as I do. Come on, let's, let's, let's get real for a minute, right? Why, why do we find those kind of relationships with people? Because misery loves what? Company. Misery loves company and comfort. And there's something comforting about knowing that I'm not just the only one jacked up on this planet. And so we engage with other people with common struggles and, and because it allows us to just sit in it and not have to work to do anything to get out of it. But can I just tell you, if, you've, if you're in relationships that are based off of just pure common struggles, those are the most toxic and unhealthy relationship that you'll ever find yourself in. And, and, and it's, it's not gonna end well. I promise you, it won't end well. Common struggles. Another way that we uh, have relationships with each other is, is based off of common interests. So we have the same hobbies, the same lifestyle, the same sports team, the same amount of kids. Uh, we're, we're all, we're bald. Okay, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's about meeting another bald guy like, what's up, bro? You get it, you get it, you get it. Same struggle, all right. Look, I'm I'm not saying that that these are all bad, okay? Uh, Not not at all. I have have a lot of friendships that are are solely based off of just common interests. It's it's healthy. Sometimes it's great to have friends where we don't have to talk about serious stuff all the time. I think that it's still important. What I am saying, though, is that the deep, meaningful relationships that God desires for you and deep down that you desire, the ones of uh, intimacy and connectivity and where you feel known, those kind of relationships have, have a greater chance of being found when we link up with people, not of, of common struggles or common interests, but of common values, common values. You see, as a believer, we share common values with other believers, or at least we should. We share the common value of Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Right, that we have the same belief system, which is pretty important, but the same belief system that we serve a Jesus that went to the cross, that died on the cross for our sins, rose from the grave three days later. If we put our faith in him, our lives will only be different here on earth, but for eternity in heaven. We share that in common. We, uh, every believer shares the same exact story. I once was lost, but now I'm found, and I'm trying to figure out life from here. So we share the same path. Every single one of us that are believers, we share the same guide for life. We may have some different theologies when it comes to this. That's fine. But we share the same guide for life, the inspired word of God that is a lamp unto our feet. We have the same love for God. We have the same job of sharing the gospel and the great commission. We share that in common. See, we share common values that you just can't share with people who aren't believers. Okay, and, and, and please, for the love of God, hear me. I'm not saying to, to judge people who aren't believers, to not be friends of people who aren't believers. That, that is our job, okay? So we need to be loving and invite people in. But we will not share common values with people who are not believers. And here's why this is so important. Because when we share common values with people, those people don't just enable us, but they empower us. See, we, we surround ourselves with a lot of people who just enable us. Come on, they, they enable our behaviors. They enable our, our, our way of thinking. But we need people in our lives who won't enable us, but they will empower us and keep us accountable. 
I heard someone say recently that accountability is someone keeping account of your ability. That we need people to, to look at us and say, you have been called, you have been set apart, God has a plan for your life and a purpose for your life. Do not stray from that. That God has placed in you something powerful. Don't run from that. Right? I need people in my life who keep me accountable to be the kind of husband, father, man of God, leader that the Lord has called me to be. And this rarely will happen when you share common struggles or common interests, but it has a much greater chance when we link up with people with common values. Relationships God's way is about intentionality and what? Commonality. And number three, relationships God's way is about hospitality. Come on. Yes, we're learning. Back to school today. Acts 2, 45 says they sold property and possessions to what? To give to anyone who had need. The first church in Acts was hospitable. They gave of themselves. What they would do is that they would take all their resources and put them together, and then they would supply the needs of their brothers and their sisters. They didn't just take, but they gave. You see, relationships God's way is not just about pursuing fellowship. It's not just about sharing common values, but it's about supplying the needs of your brothers and of your sisters. This is what the body of Christ was meant to be. This is what the body of Christ was meant to do. You see, we should be the most generous people on planet Earth. Amen? You know why? Because we serve the most generous God. Everything that is good and perfect in your life is because God allowed you to have it. Okay, so our God has been generous to us. Life may not look exactly how we want, but he has been generous to you. He has given you all that you need, right? But God calls us to be generous back. You see, our world determines success on what you gather, but the kingdom of God determines success on what we give. That's who we're called to be, to be generous. And I think that our church embodies this. Not, not just us as an organization. I think as an organization, we work really hard to supply the needs of people and love people and be generous. But I believe that our church, you guys, embody this in such an amazing way of supplying the needs of people. I've been here for about nine years, and I, every year I hear story after story of people who are in a life group or serve or are connected somehow, and then they hit some crisis, and then people rally around them to help get them back up on their feet. Uh, this week I heard of something that happened a few weeks ago of a young man who was going to our recover class on Friday nights. He was living one way, found recover, and he was trying to be intentional with people who shared common values. And he was being intentional in this community, but then he hit a rough patch and he attempted suicide. But there was a few people from recover who heard about it right when it happened and they found him. They went, drove, found him, grabbed him, took him to the hospital, and for three days took turns sitting with him. And then when he was out, between 15 and 20 people from the Recover Ministry came around him to supply his needs to get him back up on his feet. And now he's thriving again in the Recover Ministry. <clears throat> it doesn't happen with people who we share common struggles with. We, we, we need people when, when, when your marriage goes south, come on, when your marriage goes south or you're struggling in life, you're depressed, you're anxious, that you have people who are like, come on, bro, come on, I, I'm, I'm here with you and, and, and I'm going to sit with you right now, but, but I'm going to push you and, and get you up and we're going to fight with this thing together. That, that, that's what we're called to be. See, Proverbs 17, 17 says a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for a time of what? 
Adversity. It's easy to be a friend in good times. We need brothers during adversity. Galatians 6, 2 says, carry each other's burdens. This is the kind of law Christ asked us to obey. Look, hospitality says nothing more than you're not alone. It just says you're not alone. I know you're broken. So am I, but we're not gonna sit in this thing together. We're gonna fight through. We're gonna push each other. We're gonna love each other. We're not gonna enable each other, but we're gonna empower each other and keep each other accountable to the person that God has called us to be. Cool? Relationships God's way is about intentionality, commonality, and what? Hospitality. Relationship God's way is about, number four, practicality. Acts 2, 46 through 47. It says, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the what? Favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Look, I believe that in God's eyes and in God's heart, there's a very practical reason why he desires us to be in community with one another. Yes, for us to uh, share with each other and to supply the need of each other, but I believe that the main reason why God wants us to be in relationship with each other is so that the world will take notice. Let's, 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 let's go back. It says that they enjoyed the favor of all the people. This isn't the, the people here that they're talking about aren't the people in the Christian community. They're people outside of the Christian community. So what this means is that people liked them. Can you believe it? People liked Christians. What? They liked Christians. People were so attracted to how they engaged with one another. People were so attracted to how they pursued relationships. People were so attracted to how they shared with one another and supplied each other's need. They were so attracted to it. They said, I want in on that. How do I become a part of this? And so every single day, people were being added to their number. People were saying yes to Jesus and yes to this brother and sisterhood that God calls them to. This shouldn't be a shock, though. Jesus said that this would happen. John 13, 35 says, this is how everyone will recognize that you are my disciples. When they see the what? Love you have for each other. It's how people will know that you're with me. Not, not by how you have different theologies and you fight on who's right. They'll know that you're my disciples by how you love each other. Hear me, if you have said yes to Jesus and you're in community with other believers, we should look different than the rest of the world. Come on, we should look different than the rest of the world. We, we live in a world that is so divided, come on, politically, racially, so divided. And then, and then people, they see that every day, and then they come to the church. And I think that sometimes Christians just don't look any different. Like, no different than that. And no wonder people are so unattracted to the church. No, no wonder there's, there's a decline in, in, in Christians in the Western culture because Christians are extremely unattracted. You see, listen, that as a Christian community, we were never called to fit in. We were always called to stand out. We, we were always called to be different. We're always called to, to love different, to engage with people differently, to attend the needs of people more vigorously. We're called to build, challenge, encourage in a world that's all about me, in a world that's all about my gain, that we would be a community that's all about the people around us. And, and the more that we do that, the more people want to join us. We should be the most attractive people on planet Earth. 
People should walk into our environment and say, I don't know what that is, but I want it. I, I, I want the God that they serve and I want the community that they have. When we do this, people will take notice. Ben, you can come on up. You guys good? Sorry, I've been yelling at you for 30 minutes. I don't, I don't know where you, you stand with all this. Hopefully, you've been encouraged, strengthened, maybe inspired, maybe really mad. Uh, I deleted my email, so sorry I can't receive emails. <laughs> but it's important for you to know that, that this topic is not my agenda, it's not the church's agenda. This is God's agenda. God wants this. God desires this for you. Let's, let's, let's take a, a quick circle back to the beginning of the message. Talked about isolation and loneliness. And the reality is there's a lot of people sitting in this room who feel this. I, I, I just talked to a girl after last service who looks like she has everything together and, and she says I, I, I play the part so well but I have been in such deep depression that for the past three years the only time that I ever come out is to go to church I sit in my room, my home all day long and, and I think that we, we, we we're such experts in painting such beautiful pictures of who we are and, and who we want people to view us as. But we know that deep down inside that we're, we're missing the connectivity and the intimacy that God so desires for us. That you're struggling in life right now and you, you have no one to share life with. You may have everything you could possibly ever want and need that this world could offer you, but you still lay your head to rest at night saying, but I would just take a friend. <laughs> I, I would just take a community. If, if, I, if I just had people around my life, I know that my, my marriage is struggling, but, but I know that we're not too far off. If I just had people in our life where we could share with and they could come around us and, and pray for us and, and fight for us. I, I know that I'm addicted right now and, and, and I know that I'm not far off. I, I know that I had the strength to do it. I know that I can push through, but I just wish I had people around me who loved me and, and, and had faith for me, who could carry my, my burdens. Like we, we need this. We, you, you were designed for it. And that was your original intent. And so and, until you fulfill God's original intent for you, you will always be searching, always be wandering, always trying to fill a void. You know, I, I was a youth pastor for nine years and, and, and with teenagers all the time, I, I would just... I would just preach to them, show me your, the three closest people to your life and I'll probably show you where your life is gonna go. And then now I'm a young adults pastor and even more I feel that like, man, show me the people that you're surrounding yourself with and the people you get linked up with right now will determine your present and your future. Like God has this amazing, beautiful plan for you, but there's a lot of other wills at play here. 
But God has a will for your life. And we need people to run around us and, and gather with us and fight for us. This life is a rat race, but it becomes a lot slower and a lot more manageable when we have people running the race in the same direction as we run. Come on. But can you be intentional? Can, 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 you, can you look for people with common values? Can, can you say no to some friendships? Right, right now, this, this message isn't about you bailing on all your friends. Don't, don't go and do that, maybe. I don't know. Maybe you need to do that. But, but there, there, we have relationships that we've just been keeping around for a long time, and it's, it's time to cut them off. It's time, it's time to move on because they're, they're keeping you where you're at, and God's trying to push you somewhere new. You know, so... I don't know where you stand with all this, but asking your heart, God, what is it that you're trying to speak to me when it comes to this topic of, of relationships and this topic of community? Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10 says this. I'll end with this. It says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. That we need people. Amen. Let me pray for you, Lord. I thank you uh, just for this time. And Lord, anytime two or more are gathered in your name, there you are in our midst, Lord. So your presence is here. Whether someone wants to admit it or not, that your presence is here, that your power is, is strong in this room. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want to ask two questions. First question is this, and it's about this topic, but you find yourself saying, man, this is, you've been speaking right to me, right to me, and God's been really challenging my heart on this, and you say, you know what, I, I got to be more intentional in, in community, and I know that God's called me to, to something new when it comes to my relationships. If that's you, would you slip up your hands so we can pray for you? Amen, amen, wow, lots of us. You can put your hands down. Second question is this. You sit in here and your biggest issue is not that you don't have relationship with people, but your biggest issue is that you don't have a relationship with God. And that's what's most important because God has first called you into relationship with him and you've been chasing all sorts of things in this life, but it's all left you empty and you walked into this room and for the first time you feel something you never felt. And that's your creator speaking to you. You're in here, you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but you know that it's time that you want to take a step of faith and pursue him with your life. If that's you, you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you just slip up your hand across this place? Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. Wow. Amen. You can put your hands on it. If, if that was you, you raise your hand. Just begin to talk to God in your own words. There's, no, there's nothing perfect that you have to say. He, he, he knows you. Just begin to talk to him. Repent of your sins. Tell him that you believe in him and he'll begin to work in your life. God, we love you. We trust you. We give this day to you. And everybody said, amen. Red Rock Church at all campuses, would y'all stand? Let's worship.